Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 145 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And in this episode, it's our finale episode of Season 4. It is the annual Premiere Pod Awards that we typically do at the end of every Premier League season. It's crazy that the end is here, May 23rd. Obviously, Tyler still has a Champions League final to look forward to at the end of this week. But the Premier League season is officially over. It's finally back on the normal schedule um, because, obviously, during COVID... The whole schedule kind of got jumbled up and a bunch of matches were played in together. But uh, it's crazy. This has been a, a very long season. Started in August and is now done in May. It's just so many storylines, so many things have happened since the start of this year's Premier League. And obviously at the, I guess, the end of it all, Manchester City were crowned champions. Liverpool fi- uh, finished in second place at point behind Manchester City, a repeat of the 2018-19 uh, Premier League season. So... Heartbreak for Liverpool fans once again, but just like in that season, they also have a Champions League final to look forward to at the end of it. So maybe there is some Champions League glory coming to them this year, um, just like it did in 2018-19. Chelsea uh, finished in third place. Tottenham got the last Champions League spot in fourth. And just real quickly, uh, Arsenal got the fifth place spot. Manchester United finished surprisingly in sixth for the last Europa League spot. And then West Ham got the Europa Conference League uh, position, even though they lost on the final day of the season. Um, But yeah, it's been a crazy season. And the final match day kind of almost lived up to the craziness of the season we've seen this entire year. Because I think at one point, um, the way the season has gone, Manchester City had a huge... I believe they had a huge lead in the uh, in terms of having a big lead in the Premier League title race. And then somehow they started to uh, drop points and then Liverpool crept up behind them. And then essentially it was just a neck and neck tie of Liverpool, Manchester City. When going into the season, we thought it was going to be a four horse title race between United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. And it looked like it was going like that for maybe the first month and a half. And then United teared it off. And then at a certain point, I would say around October or November, Chelsea started to fall off as well. And then it was just all Manchester City, Liverpool came down to the final game of the season. Liverpool looked like they were in some big trouble early on. They went down when they were early to Wolves. They, they, they fin- basically, they did their job. They came back 1-3-1. But then Manchester City actually went 2-0 down against Aston Villa. And the, the second goal was scored by Felipe Coutinho, of all people, in the second mm-hmm. half. And it was in the 65-minute mark. And it basically looked like the title was heading towards Liverpool in, in a miraculous way. And all of a sudden, it took literally a span of, I believe, five minutes. City somehow scored a barrage of three goals, I think, in a span of 11 or five minutes. And they made the 3-2 comeback. Yeah, Yeah, five minutes. Uh, Ilke Gundogan got subbed on. He made the big difference. I think he scored twice, uh, Mm -hmm. scored once or twice in that that 3-2 comeback. And basically from there, City just had all the momentum. They held on. And from there, they were confirmed champions. But it it was a tough one because it's a lot of people were joking. It's like, man, Steven Gerrard letting the title slip away again into City's hands. It was unreal. Literally 2-0 down City were. To Aston Villa, all teams. And Liverpool, they didn't score yet at that time. Like, it was 2-0 to Villa, but Liverpool were still tied 1-1 to Wolves. And all Liverpool needed to do was just score one more goal to lead against Wolves. And then Aston Villa just had to not lose <laughs> to City. And then the title would be Liverpool's. But all of a sudden... people, it was Coutinho too that scored the second goal. Yeah, Coutinho like scored it. all the dream it. scenarios were going into Liverpool's way. 
And all the storylines are there. Stevie G at the helm, leading the team as a manager. Coutinho scoring that potential game winner. And then Stevie G subs off Coutinho. And it goes downhill from there. It's just, okay, Gundawan just ruined my dreams. This man (laughs) comes on, scores twice. In five minutes. In five minutes. Like, (laughs) the first goal, when that went in, I was like, okay, granted, probably City should score one in this game. But then when the second one went in, I was like, all right, y'all got to park the bus or something. Something. (laughs) They do not need this momentum. And then when the third goal went in, I was like, what a joke. Oh, my gosh. It was like a back post. It was like a back post finish, too. There's someone just whipped in a ball. No one could stop it. And it was also sad, too, uh, because I think, like you said, I think when City scored their first goal, I think that was around the time Mo Salah scored the goal to make it 2-1. And Mm -hmm. Mo Salah celebrated like he had just won Liverpool the league. I mean, you could just see it in his face and the whole Anfield crowd was erupted. And then once... Uh, City made the 3-2 comeback. Anfield kind of quieted down. And then somehow there was like a rumor that started, I think, around the 85th minute um, that apparently something had gone on where someone had spread the news that Aston Villa um, scored another goal to make it 3-3, which would have put the title in Liverpool's hands. And then you would and you saw for like the next 20 or 25 seconds that the Anfield crowd just lit up and all the supporters were going crazy and like everyone was just going wild. And then, you know, I just wonder who started that rumor. Like it's... You know, there's like only people in there are just Liverpool fans or Wolves fans. Like I, 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 I who who started the rumor to make it seem that Aston Villa had the three three, made it a three. Whoever did game. probably got beat up by like every Liverpool fan <laughs> at Anfield because like that was you can't joke about this stuff. That is too much. I was like, mm. I watched because I I was in that same scenario uh, as many of our listeners and probably Yush were, where I had both the TV and mm-hmm. my iPad showing two different games. And then if I was extra, I could probably put on like the phone as well. Just, you know, something like that. So I had two games Wait, going which game on. which so game was on the I TV? Had, was it Liverpool on TV? I had, uh, ironically, I actually had City on the TV because oh. my direct TV app, I don't know the password for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just kept it on the iPad. And uh, I watched, okay. and the City game was on Peacock, but the Liverpool game was on USA, USA Network. Yeah. And that was only on direct TV. So I had to watch it on the gotcha. iPad. But I had both games up, and I was like, I don't see City scoring or conceding. So they're like, "Is my that's stream definitely behind? some fake news?" Yeah, I was like, are, "Are we just really behind or something? What's going on?" <laughs> I was like, "What the deuce?" Uh, so that was that was just a rough morning. I was like, no yeah. one talked to me for the rest of the day. I woke up at eight a.m. for this. <laughs> I was oh, like, it's like brutal man. stuff. So now it's another one point deficit, just like in twenty eighteen. But it's a somewhat good omen because Liverpool, once again, Champions League final and they won in that Champions League final. So mm-hmm. hopefully they do it again and it'll all be worth. I looked at, you know, the reactions of all the Liverpool players after the game. They all brought their families onto the pitch, you know, gave the round of applause to the, to the fans. And they, they looked like they were in good spirits, even despite losing out the title by one point. But I mean, it wasn't in their control in the end of the day. They just ultimately had to do their jobs, get the win on their side and just pray. But, mm-hmm. you know, Villa came close. At least it wasn't like a... I don't know if it was worse if Villa lost like 4-0 versus... Yeah, at least you guys had a little comeback. bit of hope. Yeah, a little the bit hope, hope was there. And then it was just stripped away from us by a Turkish-German man <laughs> <laughs> in Ilkay Gundogan. Yeah. 
But it it I was mean, tough. Uh, you know, it was tough. And City they they salvaged their season. They won something. They Pep Guardiola yeah, won the fourth Premier League title in I believe five seasons. I think yeah. it's or fourth and sixth because he didn't win it his six. first year, and then he also didn't win it. He didn't win it that year that Liverpool won it. So it's like it's two seasons he hasn't won it. So it's kind of uh, crazy. He's just like. That's actually crazy, the amount of Premier League titles he has. It's unfair. It's going to not get any easier for any other Premier League club because Erling Holland comes to Man City next season as well. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> Yeah, they just got stronger. <laughs> they just got even stronger. I, there is a, a, a quote from, I believe, Jamie Carragher who said that he doesn't believe City is going to get better under Holland because like, like, they already are so good. It's like they can't, they can't really get any better than what they are at right now. It's mm-hmm. just very nuanced, diminishing returns in terms of adding even more players to City. It's just for the league, I think they'll probably still hit around like, you know, what they hit the season, 93 points, maybe 100. But they're not going to go undefeated all of a sudden or something like that. It's going to be yeah. still pretty close. It's just having Holland now will just give a slight edge in those big knockout games, which they didn't have when they needed a striker. So we'll see. He but, also He also tends to get injured a lot in the season. He tends to miss a good amount of games throughout the season. Like at least for the past mm. two years at Dortmund, he has missed That's true. a decent amount of games through injury. So if he doesn't fix the injury man. problem, then he, yeah, he's also, I think the way he plays just lead, lends himself to get injured a lot because he plays kind of reckless, like very like high. He is. He's very much like Luka Doncic. Yeah. <laughs> he just all, takes all a in. lot of physical hits and goes yeah. all in. And it's also chunky. So, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that was uh, yeah. the reminiscent uh, recap of Championship Sunday. Very yeah. sad Championship Sunday, at least for me. And even for, mm-hmm. I don't know, for Yush, it's kind of weird for you. Man, yeah, United I mean, lost was, to Crystal Palace, but they still don't know how same, I ended up in the Europa old, League. Same old, same old, <laughs> this whole season. Yeah, it was it was a pretty, I watched that game. It was not very fun to watch. Like We couldn't even string together like uh, five passes to like get a shot on target. It was bad. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was it was a very bad and it was very, I would say, very eventful end to the season. Kind of just sums up the whole season losing to Crystal Palace away. I think that's like six straight away defeats in the Premier League, um, which is just awful. I think that's like the worst run United have had throughout their entire um, time in the Premier League. Um, So it's an awful, awful, awful run of form. And we're in and I'm just glad that that this season is finally behind us and we are now under officially under the Eric Ten Hag era, and he actually had his first press conference today. And uh, yeah, I think everyone is just really excited for the new era, and just you know looking forward to kind of cleaning house, getting the right players in, and just going forward from here. Because at least from our sake, it, it genuinely I don't think he can get any worse than this season because this season was bad. Zero goal difference, sixth yeah. place. It's true. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, it yeah. could have been worse. It could have been. Burnley or Watford or New or Norwich all relegated. But yeah. That was the last day. Last day as well. Last day antics. Burnley gets relegated. Leeds stays up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's Leeds, also big Jesse up to Marsh. Uh, Jesse Marsh, the American manager yeah. who comes in for Bielsa, saves the club. Yeah. So we'll see how yeah. they do next season. But Rip yeah. Burnley. Yeah. I, I think a lot actually a lot of people will be happy that they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way they play. I think there's been a really annoying nuisance to a lot of people. They are. But I, I will say one of our listeners, Leif, 
Burnley fan. I'm sorry, Leith. They'll come back yeah. in a few seasons. They usually do. But yeah. they also did lose Sean Dyche. So I don't know how that's going to be. The, yeah. the longest tenured manager prior to him getting fired in the Premier League. And then now Just the longest stuff. tenured manager is uh, Jurgen Klopp, which is kind of yeah. crazy to also say. Mm-hmm. But that's basically the recap. Yeah, the relegation. Mm-hmm. Then Golden Boot, uh, Mo Salah and Son shared the Golden Boot because they both finished on 23 goals. Um, Mo Salah finished with the most assists with 13 this season. And the Golden Glove actually got shared as well with between Ali Son and Ederson, both finishing with 20 clean sheets. So, yeah, it was a... Uh, it's pretty crazy. I think this season has been eventful, but it's also been eventful for a team perspective. I feel like a lot of teams have made this season very eventful because I guess in years past, you've always seen like outstanding performances from players um, or, yeah, I would say players. Like um, there was that season of Michu. There was the season of, um, you know, I, I'm – trying to think right here, like Kevin De Bruyne, where he just completely lit up the Premier League. Uh, you just had like different seasons where one player just took the took the narrative on their own and just made the season great because it was that good of a player. But I feel like this season, um, it's been eventful, but it's I think it's been more of the teams making it really eventful, like Manchester City and Liverpool being so good, Manchester United struggling all the time, Tottenham and Arsenal basically fighting it for fourth place with... Um, their squads and everything. So yeah, it's been, it was, it was a good season. And I guess that lends itself into going into our awards uh, for this season. Um, and I guess the to start Premier off pod awards. Yeah. Premier, pod, go. Premier pod awards um, to start it off. We have manager of the season. I guess I'll go first. Um, I think whenever we've done this, I think most of the time it's usually gone to the manager that's won the Premier League. I think we've had a couple of seasons where we've kind of maybe picked someone outside of the box to show some love there. But for me, I think it has to go to Pep Guardiola. Um, If we're talking strictly in the Premier League, I think it has to go to him. Um, I know Tyler hates to hear that, but um, winning his fourth Premier League title in six seasons is pretty extraordinary. Um, And given the circumstances with this season fighting off Liverpool's title charge and just basically keeping City um, in first place or handling those pressure-packed moments in the Premier League. He did a really fantastic job. And then when City needed him to kind of make the change to help basically ignite the comeback against Villa to seal the Premier League title, he was able to make those changes, subbing on Gundogan, uh, making some big calls. Like I think it was the game against Liverpool where Gabriel Jesus didn't start for, I, I don't know, 12 games or didn't even see Premier League action for 10. He decides to put him on the starting 11 against Liverpool. He scores a goal. So, yeah, I mean, there's a reason him and Jurgen Klopp are the best managers in the world. And I think this season, Pep showed again that, um, for me, he was manager of the season for the Premier League. I was going to say, I was like, Man City won enough already. They don't, Pep Guardiola <laughs> doesn't need this award. <laughs> but I will say he's an honorable mention for me. Him and Klopp mm-hmm. both, because I would say it's very nuanced between the two for how they did the season because it was a one-point difference between the two teams, Man City and Liverpool finishing in the first and second place in the table. But, you know, for Pep Guardiola, it's it's kind of ironic too. It's like, this is kind of what we expect. Always either at the top of the table, finishing and winning the league or at least really close and putting up a good fight in terms of scoring a ton of goals and conceding very few, which is, is very simple on the grand scheme of things. Like overall, it's kind of like taking like it's kind of like taking away like how much he's done but in the grand scheme of things it's like yes it's like this is basically what he did (laughs) he's like here's the goal and usually he exceeds it and it's just 
always like that. So ironically, I didn't pick either Klopp or Pep for the manager of the season. I picked Eddie Howe because Newcastle, they kind of have a new identity now under Eddie Howe. And we haven't talked about them ever since they were in the relegation fight Mm -hmm. for a long time in the season as well. They were looking like they're going to be one of those three teams that'd be relegated and kind of in the dumps. They didn't really have an idea for how things were going to change or if fans were going to have any hope and just to see like what ambitions the club has because there's always talks that they'd be bought out by that Saudi Arabian consortium and they Mm -hmm. ultimately did. And there was also just interviews from fans just being like, what's your expectations for Newcastle? It's always like they just hope that they just don't get relegated and that's like every season. And I'm mm-hmm. and certain people have always asked us like, what's the point of supporting these clubs that never win? I'm like, you just you know, just they're just happy to be in the Premier League. <laughs> That's about yeah. it. But under Eddie Howe, he's basically flipped the script. They've jumped from the relegation zone all the way to 11th place, and they have, I believe, in the second half of the season when Eddie Howe took charge, he has earned some of the most points of all teams put together in the season. And this is what the team that he's barely made too many changes to himself yet. Like Bruno Gimoresh, he came in as a January transfer window signing. Here in Trippier. And Trippier Chris as well. Wood. Chris Wood. <laughs> Chris Wood yeah. was a very tactical transfer. Let's just confirm Burnley relegation right there. He's like, take away <laughs> all their firepower. And that's literally all they bought him for. But I'm excited to see what Newcastle will do under Eddie Howe. Because I feel like he's also the type of manager who will develop players rather than go out and spend big. And Newcastle very much could easily do that, like spend big. But under Eddie Howe, they've basically been a new identity and seeing how they're going to go on for the, this season to the next season and beyond. It could be the start of something big foundationally for the club. So I, mm-hmm. that's very deep. But I picked Eddie Howe for that reason. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a solid out, out of the box type of type of uh, pick right there. And then I guess moving on to underrated player of the season. Um I guess for mine, technically, he wasn't here for the full season, came in in the January transfer window. But um, for the impact he's had, I think he definitely probably deserves um, to be put in this mention for this award is uh, Dejan Kulosevsky, the uh, person that Tottenham loaned in from Juventus. Obviously, you know, if you played any type of FIFA, you know, like this guy has like a lot of potential, Uh, a Swedish Mm -hmm. international um, that was playing for Juventus is kind of on the outskirts. And then um, for this season, they decided to loan him out, which is kind of a surprising move because when you look at Juventus' squad, it's not like they have a ton of young attackers on their team. A lot of their players tend to be a bit older, but oddly enough, the uh, January transfer window when they loaned out Kulisevsky and Benton Court to Tottenham, that was the same transfer window they bought uh, uh, um, Dusan Vlahovic. So I guess loaning them out kind of helped funded the uh, Vlahovic move. So I guess it worked out on both parties, but Kulusevsky, since he's come in, has been a game changer for Tottenham on that right side. I mean, he's just always there, like creating chances, scoring goals, um, making assists happen. Um, Whenever you watch Tottenham play against the big teams, he always tends to get in the thick of it. Um, He's a really skillful player. Uh, he's He's just an overall really good player, and I think he fits the Antonio Conte system so well. And without him... They definitely would not have made the push. They 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 would have not made the push for the top four because he's been so influential in terms of creating chances and just being a third attacking option for them. Because I feel like for the longest time, since ever since basically ever since Deli Ali kind of like fell off and Christian Eriksen left the club, 
they really haven't had a, a very solid third option for attack. It's always just been Harry Kane or Hyunmin Son. And it's like, if one of them gets injured, then it's only that person. But I feel like with Kulisevsky, they finally have a very reliable third option. So that way, it's not always on Harry Kane and Hyunmin Son to do everything for the team attacking-wise. Eight assists and five goals. That's an insane return already. Yeah, and especially coming in just in January. Yeah, and it's pretty ironic that Juventus, nicknamed the old lady, decided to get rid of the young blood. <laughs> cool, <Chelsea. laughs> doesn't really get that much playing time, I think, even at Juventus too. So hopefully he makes that big move to Tottenham for next season because you know they made a pretty good impact with him this season. But if he gets a full season, I'd be a little scared. <laughs> Not gonna lie. So we'll see how he goes. But for my pick, I do have an honorable mention as well. Jose Saw, the goalkeeper for Wolves. We thought, I, I'd never heard of this man before prior to yeah. him coming to Wolves. And after Roy Patricio left to Roma from Wolves, I thought that, and also Nuno Espirito Santo also leaving as the manager from uh, Wolves, that they'd probably go downhill and they probably wouldn't have that prowess of having a decent offense and also decent defense to kind of stay in that middle of the table race. But Jose Saw has pulled out some crazy saves this season and basically helped on a, a pretty good stint in the middle of the season to get a string of consecutive clean sheets. And he kind of fell off near the end of the season, but that's also why I didn't put him as like my main winner for underrated player of the season. But for me, I give it to James Ward Prowse. He is a player that we, we all know him for several seasons. He's basically mm-hmm. the the main set piece taker for Southampton. He's always been there, basically David Beckham. And only yeah. David Beckham scored more free kicks in the Premier League than James Ward-Prowse. And he's slowly developed very slowly, season by season. He's not really going to be like a superstar for any team in particular. He's just very above average, I would say. But without him, I feel like Southampton would not be where they are at 15th place. I feel like they probably <laughs> would have been in that relegation zone. Yeah. And potentially relegated. Like, he's the glue. And it's very... Like, his 10 goals and 5 assists, like, that just goes to show how, how much he was impacted yeah. for his team. And just having that kind of peace of mind that there's always going to be someone who can take free kicks and score them, be the corner kick taker, be just any set piece taker, and always put it on a dime to someone. That's huge for Southampton. And... For a team that also is very prone to lose players to Liverpool or <laughs> any other club <laughs> in the Premier League, all their star players, James Ward-Prowse has always been there. Just He's good enough to make sure that they stay competitive, but not good enough to get bought up by another team, <laughs> ironically <laughs> enough. So yeah. I would say James Ward-Prowse, the little mini David Beckham. Yeah, I like it. Some people call him a set-piece merchant. but Set-piece merchant, yeah. I mean, but he's good. Easy. He's the only one. Yeah, yeah. No, he like I think. Um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Um, because he's good, but he's not good enough to ever, I guess, ever get bought by a top six club or big six club anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. I think James Ward Prowse has been a pretty good player, and I think this season he just kind of turned it up a little bit in terms of like turned it up a notch just a little bit um, with his free kicks and all the stuff that he provided. Um, and now moving on to defender of the season um, for me. It was kind of tough. I think there was a lot of decently good candidates this year, but I think for me, it's probably Virgil van Dijk um, because last year we didn't get to see uh, Virgil van Dijk because he got injured really early in the season against Everton. And I think it was like torn ACL, right? 
Yeah, because uh, yeah. Pickford jumped onto his knee. Yeah, yeah, brutal blow for Liverpool. Um, but obviously, I would honestly say after the first month, he's on. Honestly, I think that first month he was a little bit shaky because obviously he's coming back from like a long term injury. But after that, he was pretty much solid, and it was always a rotation between uh, Van Dyke or Matip. Van Dyke or Konate. It was always Van Dyke was the central glue that just kept the center backs together and that whole defense together. And there was a reason for that because he just showed again that, you know, he still has the pace to keep up with the paciest of attackers. He still has the intelligence to read plays, you know, basically dissect the play. He still has the passing ability. He's still calm and cool under pressure. Um, so for me, it, it was just uh, another example. He's probably the best center back or top five center back in the in Europe right now and for this season especially I think he's been uh, the best defender in the Premier League the only player that can come close to him is Joel Matip (laughs) 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 no just joking the giraffe big shout out to him though he stayed healthy basically all season which is also a rarity and also just kept that performance up but for me ironically I didn't pick a Liverpool player for defender of the season yeah, I picked Wal Cancelo from Man City. So there you go. See, I'm picking some from Man City. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Wal Cancelo this season, he took it up another notch in terms of being such a good Swiss army knife of defenders when Man City really needed it most. They kind of fell apart. Man City did near the end of the season where a lot of players got injured. You got uh, John Stones. He got injured. Uh, Emmerich Laporte got injured. Ruben Diaz. And then certain players had to be shifted around. I believe like Kyle Walker, I feel like he was out most of the season. <laughs> yeah, he was like, actually out for like the last three games. Out. Mm-hmm. And Jao Cotillo could play left back or right back, depending on what's needed. Mm-hmm. And even if you went all the way back to his Juventus days, you could see sometimes he even played like right mid at times. So you never know. And he basically earned team of the season as a left back. He's a right-footed player. So this is yeah. also just insane to see. And... For a player like that, for Pep Guardiola to just rely on someone who can be that Swiss Army knife to play either right or left back and also still make bombing runs through the middle as if he's a midfielder. He scored a long shot this season as well. I was like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. So he basically does a little bit of everything. He's a very much fitter version of James Milner, except (laughs) he's a lot faster and Portuguese and younger. But that's the kind of player that kind of impressed me the most. A player that can just... That's just like an athlete. He's just can play any position you put him into and still perform at a high level. So like certain players like Alaba and, you know, James Milner, as I said, those are like mm-hmm. the kind of players I like to always see. And Joel Cancelo, I didn't expect that from him this season to take it up that new notch and be able to do it in multiple positions. But that's it for me. Joel Cancelo. Yeah, that's a that's a really good, good shout. Um, and then now going to most disappointing signing of the season. Um, there were a couple that we could have picked from, but for me, um, I'm going to actually pick a Manchester City player here. You guys probably know who I'm picking. It is Jack Grealish, the $100 million, pound, or $100 million transfer from Aston Villa. He was the star man or one of the star players of last year in the Premier League because he was such a big, influential player for Aston Villa. Got called up for the England squad for Euros um, and did okay, I would say, during the Euro tournament whenever he was called upon. And this summer, he got the big move. And I think he honestly, I think he only finished the Premier League with like four goals or four assists or something like that. Very measly number for a guy like Jack Grealish, who was used to almost getting into double figures for the past two seasons. But yeah, he was like this a bench move player. Was, 
Yeah, literally this move was just not set up for him to be successful because there's already so many players in Manchester City that do what he does. And as we said before, Jack Grealish is the type of player that needs the ball all the time to be effective. It's very hard for him to be effective when he's just making off the runs or not getting the ball a lot. Like that's why he was so good at Aston Villa is because he was the main guy. And when he came here, it, it just had a hard time struggling. And even in the biggest games, um, games against Real Madrid in the Champions League, and other big Champions League games, he was either on the bench or only came on for very small cameos for five minutes. And that's just, for someone you pay $100 million for, you'd expect them to have more of a prominent role in the starting 11 or at least have a more prominent role on the team. And it just seemed like this season he was either playing on the bench or he would just come on for a very short amount of time. And when he was coming on, he was missing his chances. He wasn't really creating a lot. He was, he was just being typically just an average player and it's just yeah just didn't live up to the to the hype that Manchester City spent for to get him he was not set up for success he was just like the system that Pep Guardiola has too it's just it, it's not very one player centric so for mm-hmm. Jack Grealish big oof right there but we kind of saw it coming we're just like yeah. it should have got Harry Kane <laughs> but ultimately they went with Grealish just because they had money yeah but for me I went with Another player that plays in blue, Romelu Lukaku. He was yeah. another big money signing for Chelsea. Another big striker comes to Stamford Bridge and once again, ultimately fails to really live up to the, the big money transfer. I believe around the upper echelons of 80 million pounds to 90 million pounds, somewhere around there. Yeah. But in 26 Premier League appearances, only scores eight goals. Eight goals as yeah. a striker. And a Chelsea system like that under Tuchel. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Lukaku or why there's like a curse for all Chelsea strikers not named Didier Drogba at the Stanford Bridge, but it's just been a pretty yeah, mess I, season for Lukaku. Like, yeah, I think I think also like the uh, the system that Chelsea played really didn't benefit him because at 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 Inter when he was with Inter, like the reason he was so successful was because he played with a a striking duo of uh, Lautaro Martinez, and he was basically allowed to just make bombing forwards he was just able to run down the line and the team would just spam through balls to him he was able to just basically make those runs Uh, but I think under Chelsea they tried making him they tried turning him into a hold-up type striker where he would just get the ball behind the back and just try to hold it up and you know at Manchester United Jose Mourinho also tried doing that with Lukaku and he struggled a lot as well and I don't think Lukaku does well in a system where he's asked to be that hold-up striker he's actually a lot better when he just um let him kind of make runs in behind the defenders and just basically run off that. And I think he does that a lot with Belgium, and that's why he tends to do pretty well with the Belgium national team. But in the club level, I just don't think the right manager has gotten the best out of him outside of Antonio Conte at Inter. Maybe that's a sign. Just switch. Like when Harry Kane ultimately gets bought out, <laughs> just go to Tottenham. Yeah. But man, Lukaku, once again, makes a big move to the Premier League fails again so yeah it's been tough it's been tough for him and i guess that lends itself into the most toasted player of the season i actually have romulo lukaku on there um because i think that the the i guess the the talk in terms of roasting him has slowed down a lot compared to what it was in the beginning and middle half of the season but there was definitely a good chunk of the season where he was just getting all the all the memes everything was just coming at him because he just could not score goals and it, it was just a tough scene. And I think because of that, I think he's my toasted player of the season just because 
yeah, there's just there were just so many memes and jokes about him, and then he literally has not been able to pick himself back up in terms of the form and just score consistently. And he's just kind of been off and on, off and on, off and on, and he's missed a lot of open chances, a lot of chances that are right in front of you. I think it was the game against Real Madrid where he kind of missed a point blank header, and then Karim Benzema scored a header within minutes mm-hmm. later. So it's just been that type of season for Lukaku. So that's why he's my toasted player of the season. Just based on the number of memes attributed to a certain player and just the amount of roasts that have been said to a player in the season. My most toasted player of the season it has to go to Harry Maguire. Yush's biggest nightmare. Slabhead. The man, the myth, the captain of Manchester United. I feel like I've seen him do more from just like the memes that have been put out from him, like talking to that random girl in the crowd, like him leaning <laughs> over like that meme or just like those memes of him and his player rating every after every game being like a straight 6.0 or <laughs> or just have compilations you seen that one on TikTok YouTube. sound where it's like Harry Maguire and it's like the uh, Gangster's Paradise song comes after it. <laughs> I haven't because oh, I don't use TikTok until something makes it okay. on Twitter. I won't see it. Dang. But I do I do see like the compilations on YouTube of just mm-hmm. it's very synonymous of like Bill Jones, Jesse Lingard and all them Manchester United folks. But now there's more for Harry Maguire just doing very Harry Maguire-esque things like pulling away pens, putting in a bad tackle, missing the ball entirely, putting someone through on goal for his own goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's a player who's lost all confidence in himself yeah. and his ability to defend for Manchester United. And I feel like he has to go. Like, this is just so bad. It's, yeah. it's going to get only worse, I feel like, under Ten Hag as well. But who knows? Maybe a renaissance would come through. Maybe Varane will be healthy and he'll help he, out. I think he just needs, like, he, he just can't be captain anymore. I think the pressure is just too much. It's just getting too It really hard. is. Yeah. And, I mean, the most he's really done for, since his 80 million pound move from Leicester, is fund the building of the Leicester City <laughs> training ground. <laughs> That's literally all he's really done since moving to Manchester United. So we'll have to see, but man, most toasted player of the season, very much burnt toast. Harry Maguire has to win mm-hmm. that award for me. We'll, we'll mail him a piece of toast wherever yeah. his address is in that oh. Manchester. After Ho- the hopefully, yeah, ho- hopefully he can get his form back up. But yeah, it's been a tough season for Harry Maguire. And honestly, that just lends itself into most disappointing team of the season for me. I guess you guys can all kind of predict this is Manchester United is my team um, from the expectations we had going into the season with all the summer signings we had. And especially after um, getting Ronaldo to come back, it was all about, oh, my gosh, we could actually challenge for the title. Like we're definite locks for top four Champions League. We could make a serious run. And it, it was just gone disastrous ever since the month of September, or ever since literally the month of August, I would say. We got knocked out of the EFL Cup in the first round against West Ham. FA Cup, we got knocked out by Middlesbrough really early on. Um, In the Champions League, we were kind of scrapping by with results, and we somehow were able to finish top of the group. Solskjaer got fired midway through the season. We brought in Ralph Raniak to be like consultancy, A-plus interim manager. We had players leave. We had fights breaking out. We just had just anything that could go wrong, just continue to go wrong. And this season, we finished with a, a zero goal differential most goals conceded in the prem, like since uh, the Premier League started for Manchester United. It's just been an awful season. I'm sure you've heard me rant about it more than enough. So for me, uh, yeah, definitely Manchester United. It's just been that type of season for him. I was going to say, if the writing wasn't on the wall already for who's Yosh's pick was going to be for most disappointing team this season, 
<laughs> it's like every other episode this season for Manchester United. But for me, I picked a different team. I, I feel like I'm keeping with a certain theme here of just picking teams in blue. But it's the other team across the park, across the way from Stanley Park in Liverpool, which is Everton. Everton, a team who I feel like won up Manchester United in terms of failing expectations to a team that almost got relegated this season. A team <laughs> yeah. that was aiming for European competition, ultimately escapes relegation in the second to last game of the game, season. Yeah. By one game. And they have the likes of Dominic Cabert-Lewin, who I, I will say, granted, was injured for a good chunk of the season. Richarlison, who wasn't injured, but he just failed to really live up to the hype. And then the whole defense. What the heck was that? <laughs> it's like... The, like Leeds conceded 79 goals a season, but I feel like Everton conceding 66 is not really that much better. It's like, <laughs> which one's worse? You have the devil or you have, I don't want to say anyone else, but like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's not really great options there. Yeah. But, uh, and they, they started the season with Rafa Benitez, the former Liverpool manager too. And he almost mm-hmm. got them relegated. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was an inside job right there. <laughs> Rafa Benitez is like, all right, take him down from my, from the inside. They, then they but hired even, Frank Lampard, the ex-Chelsea legend, to be their manager. Mm-hmm. And he almost got yeah, them relegated. He needed to- I know. So. <laughs> so he got them from 16th to 16th <laughs> when he first got them. So, I mean, I don't know what their expectations are for next season. Just hopefully not get relegated. But gosh dang, from all the turmoil, from the fans calling out the owners and the chairman to oh, them yeah. basically storming the field well, at the 85th you, minute. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you think about it, they had uh, last season, it's crazy because they, they literally had Carlo Ancelotti was their manager. So they I know, went, and now he's going to yeah. a Champions League final. <laughs> I know. They literally had James Rodriguez, Carlo Ancelotti. It's just, yeah, it, it's, it, it's just been a really weird time for Everton fans right now. It's... It's a joke is what it is. <laughs> it's like literally, but right now, I feel like they're going to take those hits because really they celebrated not getting relegated. A team this prestigious in the Premier League stormed the pitch after <laughs> being safe from relegation. <laughs> and it was just some madness. I was just like, why? It's like, why, did he, why were they even in this predicament in the first place? So, yeah, we'll see how they do next season. But gosh dang, what a what a fail. <laughs> what yeah. a fail. It would be even worse if they got relegated. But by the skin <laughs> of their teeth, they, they, they survived. They survived. Um, and then moving on to best player outside the top six. This is a guy that I actually we had put um, that has been. You can go back. Been on the Premier, uh, Premier Pod radar since season one. Um, it is the Leicester lad, James Madison. And when he first burst onto the scene in the Premier League, it definitely looked like he was the next exciting prospect, basically destined for a big six move um, in one of these years, but kind of bottomed out a little bit. And it definitely looked like last season after last season that he was just kind of going to be bang average. But I I would say that there's been kind of a renaissance um, this season for James Madison because he actually finished the Premier League season with 12 goals. And I think in total across all competitions, I think finished between 15 or 16 goals, which is a really incredible number as a midfielder. And his set piece, he's almost James Ward-Prowse-esque in terms of his set piece um, execution. He's a pretty good free kick taker. Um, He's kind of Lester's go-to man when it comes to set pieces. And yeah, he's just been an influential player. And I think um, in all the games I've watched him, he has kind of shown off that uh, that ability to create and score goals. 
So for me, um, I have to give this award to James Madison, finally getting back into the limelight and being pretty consistent this season. The other James, James yeah. Madison. But <laughs> and even it's, it's been a long season for him, too. He didn't get the starting gig. He lost it after yeah. having those high expectations. Then he had to earn it back this season. So it's yeah. a big, big renaissance story for James Madison. But for me, my best player outside the top six is Declan Rice. He's a player Ooh. that... He was destined for bigger top six clubs, I feel like, last summer, but he was just too expensive. And ultimately, he's, he he's leaving move. this summer, though, because he's not re-signing. He, he has yeah, like, publicly, he's said, he's publicly said he's not re-signing. He's definitely going to leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, West Ham, I hope you enjoyed it. One of the best center defensive English players in the Premier League. He's probably going to go to, I want to say Manchester United. I'm not going to lie. But really? I think it's going to be Chelsea because he, he was... Chelsea? from the academy oh, there well, and he's good friends true. like he's like best friends with mason mount and they kind of need to replace that position because all their center mids are getting old like Jorginho and kante uh, mm-hmm. so i feel like that De- i don't i feel like the momentum's kind of like i feel like declan actually might prefer a move to chelsea going back to his uh his youth club over there that would make sense because also mm-hmm. on top of that london has both chelsea and west ham so it wouldn't be that much of a move for him Exactly. And, but in terms of need, though, I feel like Manchester United would probably show out more because <laughs> they definitely need a CDM. They got Fred and McSauce, so it's like probably Rice <laughs> would help out. But, I mean, we'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went to Chelsea, even though Chelsea tend to not buy their own old youth players. They just give them out. And it's like, all right, go away, $80 million. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we don't need De Bruyne, Sala, or any players like that. We'll just we'll just buy other players. So we'll see. But Declan Rice, there we go. One of the top CDMs in the league. I don't know why West Ham have a knack for developing really good center defensive mids. Like Suchek was one last season as well. Did all right this season. Not as not as good, but nevertheless, these two in the pairings in the middle of just always being able to go box to box, score the occasional goal, rip occasional long shot, and also be playmakers. That's yeah. a rare thing. And to have both of them at West Ham, that's big. And that's what helped them go pretty far in the Europa League to semifinals and ultimately finish in seventh in the table. So mm-hmm. there you go. Declan Rice next season definitely will will not be able to qualify for this award as he's probably going <laughs> to a top six club. <laughs> yeah, fi- he's finally going to make the big move that we've been predicting or everyone keeps reporting for the past two seasons. He's finally going to make it. Um, mm-hmm. And then surprise team of the season. I'm going to pick Arsenal for mine because um, I would say the expectations for Arsenal going into this season were tempered or so-so. But especially after the first three games of the season, it was kind of disaster mode for him. It was like, is Arteta out? I kind of, I think I predicted actually that I think Arteta could, would get the sack, but you know, credit to Arsenal, they stuck through him uh, or they stuck by him actually. Um, because after that first three games of the season, three straight defeats, negative goal differential at the bottom of the table, they climbed their way out of it and eventually looked like they were in pole position to grab that fourth spot. But unfortunately, their young squad kind of caught up with them and the fatigue of the season with losing some key players um, meant that they lost to Tottenham, lost to Newcastle, and basically had to settle for fifth place. But um, kind of the conversation I saw with a lot of Arsenal fans, especially after the beginning of that season, of this season, where they lost three straight games, if if you would have told them that they would have finished comfortably in fifth place, they would have taken it. And 
yeah, the expectations changed a bit when they were kind of in that fourth spot or gunning for that fourth spot pretty like they were just basically in that race to get fourth place. Um, but I still think to get fifth place from where they were when they started the season, especially with this really young, inexperienced squad, I think that's a, that's a big surprise and definitely a big kudos to Arsenal and Arteta. I don't know going forward, is, Ar- is Arteta the guy to help them win a title or help them win a trophy or to help them get to where they want to go ultimately? But I think he's laying down the right foundation and the right pieces for maybe someone else to come in and take it one step further. But I have to give credit to Arsenal because I think they've done a really good job of kind of settling down, settling themselves down and basically riding the ship from the disaster from the start of the season. Mm-hmm. We anticipated that they would probably make a big push like this to get European competition at the beginning of the season just because they had no other competitions to worry about. It's just like just focus on getting as high in the table as you can. And mm-hmm. that's what Liverpool did a few seasons ago, but they were a little bit further on in the in the road where they still had they had some youth players, but a lot of their players were just nearing their prime and mm-hmm. they made Champions League instead of just fifth place. But for Arsenal, like yeah, this is like the young one of the youngest teams in the league on average, based on just starting yeah. eleven, if not the youngest. So for them to do this, it's gonna be exciting to see what they do for the following seasons. But for me, my surprise team of the season, I have to give it to Brighton Havalvian. A team that usually is very bang average. I feel like Yush has an affinity to try to say they're going to get relegated, much like I tell Crystal Palace fans that they're going to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Brighton, they, they're a big surprise. They brought in a certain player, Cucurella, who didn't really do too much this season, but still did was a decent impact on the left wing. Fullback, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge signing as well, just in general. And also just certain players they retained, like Basuma, he stayed in, and then Moop. I can't say his I can't say his name. It sounds like a meme. But uh <laughs> Mwapu or something like that from Zambia. Oh, I'm butchering his Mwapu, name. Yeah. Yeah. And like he's kind of like a breakout star from the season. And also just having Sanchez in goal after losing the uh quarterback for the Colts, <laughs> Matt Ryan. <laughs> it's uh yeah. and McAllister very, very good player as well. Danny Welbeck actually has been providing a good amount of goals, and they also have a really young um, kind of exciting prospect midfielder in Moise Casiero, uh, who a lot of people kind of basically say he's basically the kind of Ecuadorian Kante, Ecuadorian version of Kante in terms of like his ability mm-hmm. to be like that kind of box-to-box midfielder that's always going to sweep up play and just be a very, just the guy that's going to cover up tracks for everyone. It's, yeah, it's a very much like a bunch of potential good prospects that can potentially blossom to like something bigger. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of like Southampton before they got into this little runt of like not having too many players that are attractive yeah. to other clubs. But for Brighton to do it, I was surprised. Graham Potter is doing a really good job at Brighton. Who knows how long he'll stay at the club. I feel like he might get poached by a bigger club eventually. Finishing in ninth place with a, basically a community squad like this <laughs> and developing all these players and pulling in certain big names like that. It was pretty surprising. So I think for Brian, I'm not sure if they're going to continue to be like this for seasons, like seasons and moving on from here. But finishing where they did at ninth place this season, you know, you got to give them some kudos there. And even if you look at like their goal difference at a negative two, (laughs) they didn't concede. (laughs) They didn't like score that many or concede that many, but they're very much able to get the results when they needed to and stay in that top half of the table. Mm -hmm. So. They made some pretty good teams. Surprised me. 
Yeah, they, they beat, beat some pretty, pretty good teams good team. as well. Yeah. So there you go, Brian Helvalbian. Yeah, so that, that's a that's a solid shot. I like it. And then um, going into our last three awards right here, we have goal of the season. Uh, Tyler and I were actually talking about uh, before the podcast started this season. For some reason, there wasn't that really outstandish Andres like Andres Townsend esque goal where it's just that's a clear cut winner. That is the number one. That's the best goal. Um, there were a lot of good goals, but not that one. I would say in my eyes, that one great goal. So for me, I, I'm going to pick Ronaldo's strike against Tottenham. It was the long-range effort um, when they were playing at Old Trafford where he basically ripped one from like 30 yards. And it was, to me, I, I just picked it because it was a very vintage Ronaldo goal, like way back in the day when you would just see him just rip long shots um, from 30, 40 yards and they would just go in because his shot power was ridiculous. This one had the shot power, but also had the accuracy and it was just placed perfectly. And especially in this day and age where it's all about analytics and counting, you know, it was basically all analytics where they kind of discourage people from just like shooting from distance. It was a it was pretty cool to see like a, one of those goals kind of come back in a style or just see one of those goals get scored because you don't see that too often uh, nowadays of just people ripping a shot from 30 or 40 yards um, because, yeah, it's just not not really the best thing to do analytical wise. But for me, I think that's my goal of the season. I always like a good long shot. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't care what the <laughs> analytics say. It's just like, if it's open, it'll go for it. You never yeah. know. You never know if the goal is going to butterfingers it or if a deflection might carry it through. Or if it's yeah. just a windy day, <laughs> it yeah. might put some mad bend on it. But that Ronaldo <laughs> goal is also one of the goals that kind of came to mind first in terms of goals of the season. Very iconic right there with Ronaldo with the swing right yeah. after as well. <laughs> Can't really get old or can't really get sick of that because, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool. But for me, my goal this season, it has to go to Mo Salah's solo skill run against Watford when Mm. he basically just ran up the right wing and he was triple teamed. He had literally three players surrounding him and he still managed to dribble his way out of that little little hole that he got chucked into and then finished it with a finesse shot to far post. Like that kind of skill is something that you've seen like a rec league. But to see it on the professional level, granted, it was Watford as the <laughs> opponent. He did a very similar skill run against Man City as well, if you want to put in, the in that same argument. Season. But in the same season, as also was like maybe three games apart or something yeah. like that. It was within that the was, same that was month when, or two. That was like when Salah like, was entering kind of like a weird, like entering like a, a stratosphere of like, oh my gosh, he could win the Ballon d'Or type level. Mm-hmm. It was before the AFCON when everything uh, yeah. went down. But that was peak Salah right there. That those goals <laughs> and I mean I miss that solo <laughs> I'm not gonna lie when he had the ball control to go to and the confidence to do something like that but that would be my goal this season it's very much like a Salah-esque kind of crazy goal that comes every season here or there but once again as you just mentioned there wasn't really a Ali Sun header or a crazy goal that we can both just point at be like yeah. oh that Rabana from Lamella yeah that's definitely <laughs> it it's like this season if a Premier League goal wins the Pushkas Award, then it's some BS. <laughs> it's going to be some <laughs> most solid like every it's single Pushkas. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, be some, some cheese. So that's the goal of the season. Probably the hardest one to describe on the podcast for all of our audio yeah. listeners. You're going to have to just Google it or find yeah. it on YouTube. Just, just Google exactly. Ronaldo versus Tottenham goal or Salah versus Watford or Man City goal. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Interactive portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, go out, go out and watch those goals because definitely if we pick them out, they're 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 good ones to watch and definitely worth seeing again. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, player to watch next season. For me, I actually have a guy that just got transferred over to Aston Villa today on May 23rd. It was announced. It is Bubakar Kamara, a defensive midfielder from Marseille. He's young. He's like 22 years old. And it's a pretty big transfer because this guy was actually kind of linked to some big clubs. And if you didn't know, Marseille actually qualified for next season's Champions League um, to be in the Champions League. So he was actually leaving Marseille to join the side that finished in 15th place in the Premier League, which is Aston Villa. So it's a pretty big switch for someone going from guaranteed Champions League football to Aston Villa. So it must have been maybe some Steven... Stevie G kind of magic. Maybe he can mold him into like a, a more complete midfielder. But yeah, I'm excited to watch him play because I've heard a lot of good things about him. He's a really good defensive midfielder. Um, can basically almost is the type of player Manchester United need but didn't sign. Um, so he's a really good just breaking up play. Uh, and yeah, I'm just excited to watch him and see what he can do for Aston Villa because he he's definitely been one of the more sought out, I guess, young players in the French League and He's coming to the Premier League, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next season. I'm not going to lie. I do not know who this man is <laughs> tomorrow. I Googled him, though. He yeah. has a lean body type, so that's very yeah. meta in FIFA. <laughs> 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 but for for a player like that to jump all the way to Aston Villa, maybe he just really wanted to play in the Premier League, or maybe he really wanted to have CBG as his coach and play of Coutinho. And probably he's probably going to get a, a big pay boost just being in the Premier League itself. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. And if you, like I will tomorrow. say, if you guys don't know him, he's got an 80 rated card on FIFA 22. So yeah, an 88 rated special card. There you go. Look at yeah. that. Okay. Impressive for someone I don't really know too much about. If <laughs> he's <laughs> shooting, man, he ain't scoring nothing next season. I told you. We'll I told see. you he's a defensive midfielder. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But for me, I, ha- I this one, player to watch next season, there's so many, I feel like, that came through in January transfer window mm-hmm. that it's a little hard to pick. But I feel like my, my pick's a little biased, I will admit. I will say my pick is Luis Diaz for Liverpool, a player mm-hmm. that very quickly got assimilated to that Jurgen Klopp style. I thought he would take a few months to you know come off the bench here and there and score a goal, maybe get an assist here and there. And then get a run in, but no, like Klopp just threw him into the fire, started him some in some big games really early on, and he's mm-hmm. been one of our key cornerstone players to making a big spark and making a run to get the win, make a comeback, or getting that go ahead goal to just be like, all right, floodgates are open, let's go, and mm-hmm. pick up the tempo and bring that flair that is kind of missing at times from games. But Luis Diaz is, we all knew he was going to be good, which is one of the things why I was like, I don't know if I should pick him, but. The fact that he can potentially be even better than what we thought is what kind of got me thinking. It's like, ooh, maybe he takes that next step to see, you know, we, we've seen him for half a season. What will he look like for an entire season? So yeah. could he be that next star player for Liverpool? Because, you know, as Firmino, Mane, and Salah get a little bit past their prime, they need to have the new stars come through. Jota, mm-hmm. I feel like he's, you know, above average. He's not, I feel like we'll be on the level of, Salo, Mane, or Firmino. But Luis Diaz, though, we're seeing little sparks where it's like, oh, he could be the next big thing. So, mm, yeah, we'll see. That's my pick for player to watch next season. And he's still relatively young, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like it. I like it. I um, I first got introduced to Luis Diaz when I was covering like the Copa America. And when he scored a bicycle kick against Brazil, I was like, oh, this guy. Mm-hmm. And he basically was a very underrated player in Copa America. I think he scored four goals in the tournament. So, 
he's been on my radar since then and Liverpool definitely scooped up a really good player in the making and I I like you said I'm excited to see what he does with another full season at Liverpool see what he does um, what he can do for the team um, and then I guess for the last award it's a com- combination of Tyler and I both uh, decided on this one we have player of the season the um, what was it I guess you called the, the, the best Pod. award yeah, the Premier Pod Player of the Season. So this is better than the PFA Player of the Season. So whoever wins this, so <laughs> it's got a lot of word to it. But uh, for us, uh, Tyler and I both agreed that we decided that for the first time since we've been doing the Premier Pod, uh, doing the Premier Pod, that the Premier Pod Player of the Season will go to Hyunmin Sun, the player for Tottenham Hotspur. He has uh, the person that also finished uh, with the Golden Boot alongside Mo Salah with 23 goals. And I will put out that all those goals were non-penalty goals. So 23 non-penalty goals for Hyun Min Son. He had a fantastic season for Tottenham. And the reason, my reasoning for putting him in as player of the season was because during the early half of the season when Nuno was still manager, there was still a lot of talk about Harry Kane wanting to leave. It honestly looked like Harry Kane was just not into playing for Tottenham anymore. Like he legit sat out, I think, for the first, for the, during the entire August transfer window, he basically sat out and didn't play because there was, that little glimmer of hope that he could make the move to Man City. So the only player that was really keeping Tottenham afloat during that really turbulent time and before um, Antonio Conte came in was Hyunmin Son. He was the only one creating chances, scoring goals. And when Antonio Conte came in, he basically took Son to another level. And this is the first time Son has actually won the Golden Boot. And yeah, Mm -hmm. he's just had a fantastic season. It's been a really cool one to watch to, for him to score 23 non-penalty goals. Um, so, yeah, I think Hyun Min Son, he's just been fantastic. And, yeah, he just deserves all the praise because he's been one of the key players for Tottenham and one of the big reasons why they're now in fourth place and will be playing in Champions League next season. And I feel like, for me, it was very much a, a key part of his consistency throughout the, throughout the season, basically. Because Mo Salah, I will say, was a very close second for me. Mo Mm -hmm. Salah, he's the top goal scorer, most assists, but it's just that second half of the season, he just kind of vanished just after AFCON. And I was like, man, I don't know about, but Hyungmin's son, (laughs) he he basically was consistent the entire season. And despite all the turmoil and everything and having a Luis Suarez-esque season in terms of just scoring all of his goals non-penalty, like you got to give props to that. And it's very much a little under the radar in terms of player of the season. He's a player that did get recognized in like the starting 11 for best player in the Premier League season. But mm-hmm. I feel like for a team that or a player that single-handedly almost carried the team all the way, all the way through to getting top four with the help of, you know, Kulishevsky and Kane ultimately in the second half of the season, he basically was always there, always putting in the work and wasn't really injured at all this season as well. Yeah. So yeah, on top of that, it's just, it's pretty miraculous how good of a season Sun has. And I'm not sure he's going to win this award with any other pods or you know, other companies or any other associations. But for us, he gets the award. The first Asian player, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll get player of the season. Maybe the only one. Who knows? Unless it's like in 20 years from now, it's some breakout star joins the Premier League. But you never <laughs> know. But human son. Yeah. Player of the season for the Premier Pod. Congratulations yeah. to son. Let's go. Hopefully he, to see it. he reaches Asian out to excellence. us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll mail the I'm award in. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything Tyler said. The consistency was also a big thing. He was just from the start of the season to the end. It just seemed like he was popping up all the time. Slow and steady wins the race. Um, and he kind of just took the turtle, the tortoise route where he just slow and steady wins the race. And look where he is sharing the golden boot the tortoise all at route. the end of the season. Yeah. Um, he, is a, so yeah. he is a very fast man, ironically enough. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's uh, that was that's been the end of our awards. Um, it's been a pretty fun season, like we said. It's crazy how fast um, everything has gone by in terms of the season starting, all the expectations with all these teams, the disappointments, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of the season. It's it was another crazy Premier League season that was uh, that kind of lived up to a good amount of the hype. And yeah, I'm glad that you know you guys took the time. I guess most of the time, like I know we took a bit of like a two month break um because both of us tyler and i both moved during the middle of the season but um yeah it's been fun kind of covering the league um during these uh during these nine months that it's been on just covering week in and week out and all the storylines that come out so um i think we always say it, but just want to point it out over here as, as our final episode of this season that we appreciate everyone taking the time to listen or at least hop on the show or anything of that nature because it's been a long season and we do appreciate all the support we get and everyone that tunes into the show and uh, listens to it because yeah, we do it for you guys and it's, it's fun to fun to share our thoughts out there. And it's great to see that, you know, some people are resonating, resonating with them and listening to them. So uh, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I will say too, for the listeners and the, just the premier pod accolades as well, if we were to throw out awards, you know, Yosh and I recently mentioned in one of our other recent pods, but we broke 4,000 all-time downloads. And more recently, we've been hitting some pretty high average weekly listeners for downloads as well. So mm-hmm. it's been at an all-time high. And it's kind of a shame that the season's ending right as we're hitting all these highs, but <laughs> we'll be back in a bigger way as well next season in yeah. August. It'll be a big summer. Hope, Unfortunately, there's no World Cup. Otherwise, we would have covered some of those matches over the summer, but there's nothing really going on. So yeah. We'll also be on international break, I guess. Or not international break, just summer break. Summer break. And we'll be back in, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in August. But exactly. Yeah, it's been big things and one of the biggest seasons, at least for us in the Premier Pod, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've made some changes midway through the format of the show uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, it's crazy. Season four. Um, and the first season, ironically, the, the season that Liverpool finished one point behind City was the first season we started doing the, the podcast, <laughs> which was the 2018-19 season. Uh, so it's crazy that it's already been four. Yeah, it's been four seasons for us, but we kind of went off like a different season marker because uh, of COVID and like Project Restart kind of threw everything a little bit differently. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's been crazy that this much time has gone by and, you know, now we're ending this season but then gearing up for season five and seeing all this cool stuff that'll happen there but uh i guess as we always say that you can listen to the show uh, you can follow us give us a follow at the premiere pod to watch video versions of this podcast on youtube you can also give us a follow at the premiere pod on instagram and twitter uh send us any questions dms um and we'll be sure to respond to them and any future topics that we could use for next season's pod more than welcome and if you listen to this podcast on apple podcasts um, it'd be great help to us if you could leave us a rating or review. It helps us out, helps gets us boosted to other people as well. Uh, but if not, simply taking the time to listen or sharing the podcast with someone that you may know that is a soccer fan is more than appreciated. We appreciate the help any way we get it. Uh, and yeah, that kind of wraps up season four. 
episode 145 of the premiere pod the premiere pod awards uh, so thanks again for listening peace peace